0: Welcome to Shooting for the Stars, a podcast series brought to you by Southern Cross Business Advisors, helping our clients identify and achieve their life goals.
1: This is a time to stick to our plan, a plan for a stronger economy and a stronger future. We will deliver.
0: Stoic words from the Federal Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg. Will the Coalition Government deliver on their budget promises for the Australian people, or are they simply trying to buy federal election votes? Louis Bulzomi here with you for the latest episode of Shooting for the Stars, coming to you via our major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the Podcast Index, and RSS.com. Be sure you are subscribing to any and all of those. As we recap the federal budget of 2022-23 and look at the particular business and tax implications from the budget delivered by Josh Frydenberg at 7.30pm back on Tuesday, the 29th of March 2022. Now, it's fair to say that cost of living has been quite an issue for many years now, not just this year. However, it has really skyrocketed up to the top of the list of biggest issues that many people face in the lead up to the election. So, Josh Frydenberg and Scott Morrison and the coalition government have decided to try and address the cost of living pressures in this budget. And from a tax point of view, here is what Josh Frydenberg had to say with regards to the low and middle income tax offset.
1: Mr Speaker, tonight I also announce a new one-off $420 cost-of-living tax offset for more than 10 million low- and middle-income earners. Individuals already receiving the low- and middle-income tax offset will now receive up to $1,500 and couples up to $3,000 from 1 July this year. This measure comes on top of the $40 billion in tax relief already provided by our government since the start of the pandemic. Yeah. Under the coalition, taxes for hard-working Australians will always be lower.
0: Now, it's quite a bold statement to make that taxes will always be lower under the coalition government when the debt and deficit continues to rise, but you going to try and stay in government. You've got to be able to please the voting faithful. And That's what Josh Frydenberg has tried to do with that announcement regarding the increase in the low and middle income tax offset. This was due to be scrapped at the end of 2022 financial year and it is still due to be scrapped at that stage. So this increase in the offset will be happening for the 2022 income tax returns and won't be extended into 2023. But what it does mean is it will be an additional $420 in tax relief on top of whatever the low and middle income tax offset currently is, depending on where your income lies. So, I'll go through the five different brackets. So, if you earn anywhere between nothing and $37,000, at the moment the maximum offset you can claim is $255, that will go up to $675. Now, it's a non-refundable tax offset, so you're not going to get that cash in your bank account automatically, and we get a lot of questions about that from clients, especially when this lower middle-income tax offset first came out a couple of years ago. You know, where's our money? We, we want to see that come in our bank accounts. Well, it's not the same as the stimulus package of $900 per person that Kevin Rudd brought out back in 2008 after the global financial crisis. It's completely different from that. All it is is tax relief in your tax return. So you may not even need to draw on this, but if your income gets to a certain amount and your tax position gets to a certain amount, then obviously this will help a bit. So once again, that first bracket, 0 to $37,000 in taxable income. The maximum is $255 currently, but this will go up to $675 in the 2022 tax return. Next bracket, from $37,001 to $48,000. The current Offset amount is $255 plus 7.5 cents for every dollar earned above $37,000 up to $48,000. So 7.5 cents for every dollar for the next $11,000 you earn above $37,000. So what's that going to become? It'll be $675 plus 7.5 cents for every dollar earned above $37,000 up to $48,000. And that will keep going until the maximum is reached, and this is for income earners between $48,001 and $90,000. The current offset is $1,080, so this will increase to $1,500 as a maximum. Once you earn over $90,000, it starts to phase out. So from $90,001 to $126,000, the current offset is $1,080 maximum, but then it will reduce by $0.03 for every dollar earned above 90000 until you hit 126000 Now, it'll just be up to $1,500 less 3% of every dollar earned above $90,000 until you reach $126,000. Once you go over the $126,000 threshold, there's no offset at all. This increase will be realised for those who are eligible to receive it from the 1st of July 2022 when they lodge their 2022 tax returns. But then when we say goodbye to the low and middle income tax offset for the 2023 financial year and beyond, we still get to keep the low income tax offset. So this is the little brother to the low and middle income tax offset that was going to originally replace the low and middle income tax offset from the 2023 financial year onwards, but it was brought forward in the 2020 budget. So what this is at the moment, for those earning between nothing and $37,500, There's an additional tax offset of $700 on top of the $255 that is currently the low and middle income tax offset but will become the $675 with the added $420. So that's a total benefit there of $1,375. For those earning between $37,500 or $37,501 to be exact, up until $45,000, this offset decreases by five cents for every dollar earned above $37,500 up until the $45,000 mark until it reaches $325. From $45,001 up until $66,667, it will continue to decrease by one and a half cents for every dollar earned above $45,000. And then from $66,668 of taxable income onwards, there will be no low income tax offset at all. So it is just a little baby brother to the low and middle income tax offset but it will have to stand alone and be independent from the 2023 financial year onwards. So tiny relief but relief nonetheless for those earning incomes within those particular brackets. So while the LMITO will go for the 2023 financial year, the LITO, LITO will stay. So that's the main tax relief that will be passed on to individual taxpayers, but what about actual cash payments that come out? So unfortunately, as I said, that is not a physical cash payment, but there will be cash payments made to certain Australians. Let's throw back now to the Treasurer.
1: I also announce a new one-off $250 cost-of-living payment delivered within weeks to 6 million Australians. Yeah. Pensioners, carers, veterans, job seekers, eligible self funded retirees, and concession card holders will benefit. Together with in de- existing indexation arrangements, this will see a single pensioner receive more than $500 in additional support over the next six months just when they need it at most.
0: Six million eligible Australians multiplied by $250 for each one of them equals $1.5 billion going into the bank accounts of those receiving one of the following government support payments. The age pension, disability support pension, the parenting payment, carer payment, carer allowance if you're not in receipt of a primary income support payment, the job seeker payment, youth allowance, AusStudy and AbStudy living allowance the double orphan pension, the special benefit and the farm household allowance. This payment is also extended to pensioner concession card holders and Commonwealth Seniors health card holders as well as eligible Veterans Affairs payment recipients and veteran gold card holders. Note that the $250 payment will be tax exempt so you don't have to include it in your tax return and it won't count as income support for the purposes of any government income support. So you don't have to declare this payment to Centrelink or Services Australia in order to retest your income levels to determine what your next payment based on whatever you're getting will be, whether it reduces or not. So this does not get included in that income test. Now, bear in mind, a person can only receive one economic support payment, even if they are eligible under two or more of those categories I just mentioned before. (laughs) Now, before I move on to the specific small business measures that were announced, I'll just take you through a couple of the extra individual taxpayer measures that were included in the budget papers, but not specifically announced by Josh Frydenberg back on Budget Night. One of those is an increase in the Medicare levy low income threshold. Now, what's the Medicare levy? For those who don't know, it's an extra 2% tax on top of whatever tax rate you fall into when you lodge your tax return. That goes for anybody and everybody Irrespective of whether you have private health insurance, of course, the Medicare levy does help fund the public health system in Australia, but if you have private health insurance, you can't wipe the Medicare levy away. What private health insurance can do, as long as it's an eligible level of cover, it will wipe away the Medicare levy surcharge if your income goes above $90,000. That's an extra 1%, up to $105,000, which is 1.25%, and then anything above $140,000 is 1.5% extra if you don't have private health insurance or an eligible level of private health insurance cover. So this has nothing to do with that at all. The Medicare levy is for everybody. That goes above the specific threshold that I will announce just in a little bit. So there will be a little increase in this before the 2% levy kicks in, depending on which category you fall into. But to be honest, they're very, very modest. It's almost... No difference at all, really, but we'll take every dollar that we can, won't we? So, from the 1st of July 2021, so this will be backdated and included in your 2022 tax return, the threshold for singles will be increased from $23,226 to $23,365. That's a small increase of $139 there. The family threshold will be increased from $39,167 to $39,402. That's an increase of $235. For single seniors and pensioners, the threshold will be increased from $36,705 to $36,925. So that is an increase of $220. And for the family threshold for seniors and pensioners will be increased from $51,094 to $51,401. So it's an increase, nonetheless, of $307. For each dependent child or student, the family income thresholds will increase by a further $3,619 instead of the previous amount of $3,597, which is an extra $22 per dependent child. So, again, very small, but still increases, nonetheless, to the low-income threshold before the 2% Medicare levy kicks in. So, see whether that applies to you or not. Also, well, with COVID-19 still in the air, literally, figuratively, it depends on which way you think and which way you believe, we're still testing at very rapid rates. And I don't mean that as a pun. Of course, we know that rapid antigen tests now exist on top of the PCR tests. But with regards to work... In certain circumstances, the cost of a COVID-19 test will become tax deductible. So there has been some talk about this for quite some time. I know that opposition leader Anthony Albanese made it pretty clear back in January that he wanted all rapid engine tests to be free for all Australians, back especially when ordinary Australians couldn't get their hands on them and uh, chemists and other outlets and uh, testing centres were just running out of them quickly We couldn't get a hold of any of them. So he just wanted to make it blanket-free for everyone. But what Scott Morris and Josh Frydenberg and co in the government are looking to do is actually make it tax-deductible for you in your tax returns. So the government will ensure that the costs of taking a COVID-19 test to attend a place of work are tax-deductible for individuals backdated from the 1st of July 2021. In making these costs tax-deductible, the government will also ensure that fringe benefits tax will not be incurred by businesses where COVID-19 tests are provided to employees for this purpose. So they are FBT exempt, irrespective of how many tests the business buys for their employees. So just to recap on that in summary, so if the business provides the test for the employee and they go and take it for the purposes of being able to attend work, then that is exempt from fringe benefits tax. Of course, the business can claim the cost of the tests as deductible, However, if the employee actually pays for the test out of their own pocket for the purposes of attending work, then that cost is deductible directly to the employee. Okay, on to the business support measures. And the first cab off the rank is one where for every dollar you spend, you're going to get a little bonus as a tax deduction. Here's the Treasurer.
1: Small and family businesses are at the heart of our economy and our local communities. They employ nearly 8 million Australians. The government has backed small businesses with the lowest tax rates in 50 years and record investment incentives. Tonight we go further, rewarding small businesses that invest in skills and new technology. No one knows better than a small business owner what skills they need in their employees. Starting tonight, for every $100 a small business spends on training their employees, they will get a $120 tax deduction, helping them become more productive and competitive. In this budget, we're also backing small businesses that are embracing the digital revolution. From tonight, Every $100 these small businesses spend on digital economy technologies, like cloud computing, e-invoicing, cybersecurity and web design, they will get a $120 tax deduction. Yeah. Investments of up to $100,000 per year will be supported by this new measure. Mr Speaker, lower taxes for small business is part of our plan for a stronger future.
0: Not since the small business and general business tax break was brought in by the Rudd Labor Government back in 2009 have we seen an incentive where for every dollar you spend, you get a dollar plus a little extra back as a tax deduction. So, for those who do remember... Of course, the investment allowance was pretty handy at the back end of the global financial crisis, but for those who don't, I'll just quickly recap what that was. It was an up to 50% extra tax deduction on top of the depreciation you were claiming for eligible assets if you're an eligible small business. So, over time, for example, if you bought a milling machine for $25,000 and depreciated it over five years... You also got an upfront extra tax deduction of $12,500. So that would be on top of the depreciation over time. So assuming straight line depreciation at 20%, that's $5,000 a year. Eventually you get your $25,000 deduction over five years, plus your $12,500 equals $37,500 worth of deductions. And that's a 150% deduction. So above and beyond the dollar for dollar. So this is what Josh Frydenberg is looking to bring in with regards to boosting skills and training for employees and also adopting digital infrastructure and digital hardware and software. So, we'll start off with the skills and training boost. So, this has already come into effect from the moment the budget began to be delivered by Josh Frydenberg in the House of Representatives at 7.30pm on the 29th of March 2022 Right up until the 30th of June 2024, small and medium-sized businesses with aggregated annual turnover of less than $50 million will be able to deduct an additional 20% of expenditure incurred on external training courses provided to their employees. So, keyword there is external. So, nothing in-house and nothing on the job that you provide to your employees direct. It has to be external, so you have to go out and get the training and pay for it accordingly. The external training courses will need to be provided to employees in Australia or online and delivered by entities registered in Australia. So, of course, do your research and find out who those registered training organisations are. There are heaps of them around, and I'm sure that they'll be certainly advertising this ad nauseum. So, again, some exclusions will apply, such as for in house and on the job training and expenditure on external training courses for persons other than employees. Now, for eligible expenditure incurred by the 30th of June 2022, so this financial year, the boost will be claimed in tax returns for the following income year. So, you don't get the 20% extra deduction this financial year, it carries over into 2023. For eligible expenditure incurred between the 1st of July 2022 and the 30th of June 2024, the boost will be claimed in the income year in which the expenditure is incurred. So, whenever you spend the dollars from the 1st of July 2022 until... The 30th of June 2024, that's when you claim the extra 20%. But as far as from now until the 30th of June this year, you're going to have to wait just a little bit longer before you can get the extra 20% benefit. Very similar for the technology investment boost, which will support digital adoption by small and medium-sized businesses. This will... Only run until the 30th of June 2023, so one year less than the skills and training boost. However, you can start spending from now. But unlike the skills and training boost, there actually is a cap on how much you can spend. So skills and training boost, there was nothing mentioned about how much you can spend as a maximum over this time. You'll just get the 20% extra deduction on top. So for example, $100,000 will give you $120,000 in deductions. But with regards to the technology investment boost and digital adoption or digital adaptation, there is a cap for each financial year of $100,000. So this will equate to a maximum additional deduction of $20,000 per eligible year on top of what you spend. Small and medium-sized businesses with aggregated annual turnover of less than $50 million will be able to deduct an additional 20% of expenditure incurred on business expenses and depreciating assets that support their digital adoption, such as portable payment devices, cybersecurity systems, or subscriptions to cloud-based services. Cough, zero, cough. So, yes. So, actually, your zero subscription would be something that would be determined as eligible for this. And good news, I haven't seen anything or read anything that excludes anyone already paying a zero subscription from being able to cash in on the extra 20%. So, if you are paying a subscription from... 7.30pm on the 29th of March 2022 up until the 30th of June 2023, it will give you back an extra 20% on top in tax deductions. That's good news as well. Like I said, unless something does change from this podcast being released onwards, anyone who already has a subscription will be able to cash in. It's just anything that was spent prior to the delivery of this budget. So before 7.30pm on the 29th of March 2022 won't be eligible, but anything from that point in time onwards until the 30th of June 2023, will be eligible. As mentioned, the annual cap is $100,000. Now, it's interesting they say each financial year because we have got two financial years which this applies to. So from now until the 30th of June 2022, you can spend up to $100,000. And from the 1st of July 2022 until the 30th of June 2023, another $100,000. So you may want to uh, consider spending big in the next couple of months to try and get that benefit. But bear in mind, similar to the skills and training boost, for eligible expenditure incurred by the 30th of June 2022, the boost will be claimed in tax returns for the following income year. So again, you're going to have to wait that extra 12 months to be able to reap the rewards. For eligible expenditure incurred between the 1st of July 2022 and the 30th of June 2023, the boost will be claimed in the income year in which the expenditure is incurred. So again, from 1st of July this year, it's when you spend the dollar, you'll get the reward. But from now until 30th of June, yep, you spend it now, but you're going to get rewarded just a little bit later on. (laughs) On to other business-related measures that were not specifically mentioned on Budget Night, but are definitely included in the budget papers. First of all, PAYG installments. That's everyone's friend, isn't it? So sole traders and corporate entities, companies will definitely know what this is all about. The pay-as-you-go tax instalments. So normally, every three months, the ATO will ask you to make a little donation to them ahead of when you do your tax return. I know firsthand a lot of clients don't necessarily like that. They'd like to keep that money to themselves and then wait and see what the tax bill is going to be at the end. But the ATO wants that money just that little bit earlier, and that's what the PAYG system is all about. They try and make it sound good by saying, look, it's going to help just soften the blow come tax time. So, when you pay an amount every quarter, you're not going to have to pay as much when it comes to your tax return. These will go as credits against what your tax result's going to be. And you might even get a refund. Yay. But uh, knowing a few business clients the way I know them, they don't like paying every single quarter. They'd rather just save up that money, use it the way they want to use it, and then pay their bill at the very end. But anyway, that's what the ATO wants. And Unfortunately, with how big and powerful they are, that's the way that they normally get. But anyway, there is going to be a bit of a a variation to this with the option to base the instalment amounts on actual financial performance. Now, the way it's currently set up, you get two options in the first quarter of the financial year, in the September quarter, to either accept what the ATO tells you as an instalment amount every quarter within the option to vary that amount based on certain circumstances that are affecting your business. Or you can opt for a percentage that is determined by the ATO which is tacked on to your net turnover. So whatever you turnover and normally report in your business activity statement, if you are registered for GST, minus the GST component would equal the net turnover amount and then the percentage of that would be what your tax instalment is every quarter. So those are the two options at the moment but looks like there's going to be another option that will become available... At the latest, they're hoping for the 31st of December 2023, with the measure to commence on the 1st of January 2024. So a bit of time between now and then, but if it can be implemented earlier, they'll try and do it. So what will happen, the ATO will be able to talk to your accounting software pretty much and extract the data from that software with some tax adjustments included to be able to determine what your PAYG installment will be. So it will be calculated based on current financial performance, which might be a lot easier to handle when it comes to PAYG installments or at least you're dealing with the real data at hand and you're able to just go okay well this is what I actually am earning here's a percentage that the ATO and, and us agree on and we're happy to pay that installment amount every quarter up until our tax time so that's in the measures in the coming year and a bit. Also, the PAYG and GST instalment uplift factor of 2% for the 2022-23 financial year. The budget papers confirm the Treasurer's earlier announcement that the GDP uplift factor, gross domestic product uplift factor for PAYG and GST instalments, will be set at 2% for the 2023 financial year. The papers state that this uplift factor is lower than the 10% that would have applied under the normal statutory formula. 2% GDP uplift rate will apply to small to medium enterprises eligible to use the relevant instalment methods, up to $10 million annual aggregated turnover for GST instalments and $50 million annual aggregated turnover for PYG instalments in respective instalments that relate to the 2022-23 income year and fall due after the enabling legislation receives a sense. This is only in draft phase at the moment, so nothing really to worry about now with regards to this uplift factor. All it just means is... When you get your tax return done, the ATO assesses it and then processes your notices of assessment accordingly. They then apply a GDP factor to then try and determine what the instalment rate's going to be in the future. So, instead of 10%, they'll look at just setting it at 2% for the 2023 financial year. But, of course, that's not yet made law, so definitely watch this space. Now, for businesses that have the taxable payments annual reporting requirements so those in the building and construction industry in cleaning in IT etc cetera, etc cetera, that uh, are required to disclose their payments to contractors and subcontractors via the taxable payments annual report and give ABN details GST registration details etc so the ATO can data match and make sure that those businesses are also remitting that income the government is looking to provide businesses with the option to not have to do it annually, but be able to report it on the same lodgement cycle as their business activity statements, whether that's quarterly or monthly. And this can be done via the business's accounting software. Subject to advice from software providers about their capacity to deliver, it is anticipated that systems will be in place by the 31st of December 2023, with the measure to commence on the 1st of January 2024 for application to periods starting on or after that date. And speaking of sharing data, the government has committed to the development of IT infrastructure required to allow the ATO to share single-touch payroll data with state and territory revenue officers on an ongoing basis. Funding for this measure has already been provided and will be deployed following consideration of which states and territories are able and willing to make investments in their own systems and administrative processes to pre-fill payroll tax returns with STP data. So trying to... Well, this is with the government's point of view, they're trying to minimise the paperwork on the business's end when it comes to filing their payroll tax reconciliations every year, and then making that a lot easier. But look at it from the other point of view, it just means that the state and territory governments will have access to that data earlier to make sure that they catch you out if you're not paying your payroll tax. So... Depends which side of the fence you fall on there with regards to your opinion on whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But anyway, that's going to be considered by the federal government. It's a matter of whether or not the state and territory governments will take it up. And finally, for businesses in New South Wales, Queensland and South Australia, the federal government has extended the measure which enables certain COVID-19 business grant payments from certain state and territory COVID-19 business support programs to be made non-assessable, non-exempt income for income tax purposes until the 30th of June 2022. This measure was originally announced back on the 13th of September 2020. Now, I mentioned New South Wales, Queensland and South Australia because these are the additional grants that are now added to the list of tax-exempt grants. The New South Wales Accommodation Support Grant, the New South Wales Commercial Landlord Hardship Grant, the New South Wales Performing Arts Relaunch Package, the New South Wales Festival Relaunch Package, the New South Wales 2022 Small Business Support Program, the Queensland 2021 COVID-19 Business Support Grant, the South Australia COVID-19 Tourism and Hospitality Support Grant and the South Australia COVID-19 Business Hardship Grant. These changes are part of an ongoing series of announcements which will continue to have effect until the 30th of June 2022, subject to further extensions. So, a few extra... COVID-19 support grants there receiving tax-free status on top of what's already been announced in the previous months, especially down in Victoria. Nothing new for Victoria, by the way. It's just New South Wales, Queensland and South Australia there. But still, that's extra free money going to those businesses that are affected and deservingly so to give them a bit of a a break from having to pay tax on that income. So definitely welcome news indeed. (laughs) Okay, we're on the home stretch here for this episode, but before we go, let's just touch on a couple of other little things that were not affected by the handing down of this particular budget, but are still very important and mindful to know about. With regards to superannuation, the temporary 50% reduction in minimum annual payment amounts for superannuation pensions and annuities will be extended by a further year to the 30th of June 2023. The 50% reduction in the minimum pension drawdowns, which is applied for the 2020, 2021, and 2022 income years, was due to end on the 30th of June 2022. However, the government announced that the Superannuation Industry Supervision Regulations 1994 Act, or the SIS Regs, will be amended to extend this temporary 50% reduction for minimum annual pension payments to the 2023 income year. Given ongoing volatility, the government said the extension of this measure to 2023 will allow retirees to to avoid selling assets in order to satisfy the minimum drawdown requirements, this reduction is expected to apply to account-based, allocated, and market-linked pensions. So, if you're aged between zero and 64 years of age and you are eligible to draw down on your pension, the standard percentage factor is 4%, but the minimum drawdown is just 2%. From 65 to 74, it's halved from 5% to 2.5%. From 75 to 79 years of age, it's from 6% down to 3%. From 80 to 84 years of age, from 7% down to 3.5%. From 85 to 89, it's from 9% down to 4.5%. From 90 to 94, it's from 11% down to 5.5%. And from 95 years of age plus, from 14% down to 7%. So the minimum drawdown unaffected, but also extended for another year. No maximum annual payments apply, except for transition to retirement pensions, which have a maximum annual payment limit of ten percent of the account balance at the start of each financial year. Keeping on the super topic, the super guarantee. Well, we know that it's going to increase from ten percent, which you're currently is sitting at, to ten and a half percent from the first of July, twenty twenty two, and then from half a percent. Each year, from the 1st of July, 2023, until it reaches 12% from the 1st of July, 2025. So, yeah, a bit of a catch-22 there, handy for employees, quite a burden for employers. Now, with this rate rise to 10.5% for the 2023 financial year on the horizon, so just a couple of months from the release of this podcast episode, employers need to be mindful that they cannot use an employee's salary sacrifice contributions to reduce the employer's extra Half percent of super guarantee. That's pretty big. The ordinary time earnings base for super guarantee purposes now specifically includes any sacrificed ordinary time earning amounts. This means that contributions made on behalf of an employee under a salary sacrifice arrangement, which is defined in section 15A of the Superannuation Guarantee Administration Act 1992, are not treated as employer contributions which reduce an employer's charge percentage, so definitely be mindful of that, salary sacrifice arrangements just to try and avoid that, ain't going to work. Of course, if you need more clarification on that, come and speak to us and we can certainly help you navigate those waters. For employees, the super guarantee opt out for high income earners is still available, The increase in the super guarantee rate to 10.5% also means that the super guarantee opt-out income threshold will decrease from $275,000, which is just simply 10 times the maximum concessional contributions amount of $27,500. It will decrease now to $261,904 from the 1st of July 2022 because when you divide $27,500 by 10.5%, you get that Figure of 261904. So, for every dollar above that, where you cop the super guarantee cons- contribution, you would then be subject to the excess contributions tax. Of course, high income earners don't want that, do they? So, if they have multiple employers, they can opt out of the regime in respect of an employer to avoid unintentionally breaching the concessional contributions cap eligible employees have the ability to opt out by completing a super guarantee opt out for high income earners with multiple employers form. And they can download that off the Australian Taxation Office website, fill it out and then send it to the ATO. And as long as the ATO has received the application at least 60 days before the commencement of the first quarter for which the employer shortfall exemption certificate is sought, then everything should be okay. So, if the quarter begins on the 1st of July, then the ATO needs the form by the 2nd of May. If the quarter begins on the 1st of October, it needs to be received by the ATO by the 2nd of August. If the quarter begins on the 1st of January, then the ATO needs that form by the 2nd of November of the previous calendar year. And if the quarter begins on the 1st of April, the ATO needs the form by the 31st of January or if it's a leap year, the 1st of February. So again, at least 60 days before the start of the quarter in which you want to opt out of the super guarantee contributions if you have more than one employer then of course you need to tell the employer that you don't want super to be paid from in order to cease those payments now the employer does have the option to ignore the certificate and keep paying that super guarantee so that will be quite the interesting argument and debate between employer and employee there but just be mindful that they can choose to disregard that and continue to make the contributions if they want to, if they feel that they're not comfortable with the idea, just in case they think they're going to get slugged with the super guarantee charge, which they won't if everything is in order and the certificate's issued and the employee is in the clear. But again, be mindful that if you only have the one employer and you're making more than that super guarantee high income threshold of $261,904 from the 1st of July 2022, then you unfortunately, are going to be stuck with having to cop the concessional contributions tax on top of the maximum concessional threshold of $27,500. Not much that can be done there, unfortunately. But if you have more than one employer, you have got an option to try and soften the blow. Now, back on to personal tax and more specifically the personal tax rates. Nothing was mentioned in the budget whatsoever about any changes to the personal tax rates. So whatever is already in legislation will still go ahead as planned unless something is announced in the future. But for now, it's all assumed that whatever's already in law is going to happen as planned. So the Stage 3 tax cuts that were announced a couple of years ago are set to commence from the 1st of July 2024. So just to recap on what the tax rates are at the moment... For the 2022, 2023 and 2024 financial years, if you earn between nothing and $18,200, you're in the 0% bracket, so no tax to pay whatsoever. You'll get a full refund on whatever's been withheld from your pay. From $18,201 to $45,000, it's 19%. From $45,001 to $120,000, it's 32.5%. From $120,001 to $180,000, it's 37%, and from $180,001 onwards, it's 45%. But from the 1st of July 2024, there are going to be some significant changes. Nothing to the first two tax brackets, so the 0% and the 19% brackets remain the same, but it's the middle tax bracket that changes significantly. So we're going to say goodbye to the 37% tax bracket altogether and the 32.5% tax bracket will reduce to 30% to bring it into line with large companies who are currently paying 30% as opposed to small companies who pay 25% as we speak. So if you're earning between $45,001 and $200,000 from the 1st of July 2024 onwards, then your tax rate is reduced to 30 percent. So that's going to be the significant tax cut that's going to be brought in from the 1st of July 2024. We also see more places open up under the First Home Guarantee Scheme. Here's the Treasurer once again.
1: Home ownership is fundamental to the Coalition. Home Builder, the First Home Super Saver Scheme, and the Home Guarantee Scheme have helped make the dream of home ownership a reality. Over the last year, 160,000 Australians have purchased their first home. And tonight we go further, more than doubling the Home Guarantee Scheme to 50,000 places per year. Helping more single parents to buy a home with a deposit as low as 2% helping more first-home buyers buy a home with a deposit as low as 5%. And in this budget, we're also increasing our support for affordable housing by $2 billion through the National Housing, Finance and Investment Corporation. Helping more Australians to own a home is part of our plan for a stronger future.
0: So, just to expand on what Josh Frydenberg mentioned there, here's the breakup of the additional 50,000 government guarantees. From the 1st of July 2022, there will be an additional 35,000 guarantees each year, up from the current 10,000 under the First Home Guarantee to support eligible first home buyers to purchase a new or existing home with a deposit as low as 5%. From the 1st of July 2022 to the 30th of June 2025, there will be an additional 5,000 guarantees each year to expand the Family Home Guarantee to help eligible single parents with children to buy their first home or to re-enter the housing market with a deposit of as little as 2%. And this is a new one, an additional 10,000 guarantees each year from the 1st of October 2022 to the 30th of June 2025 under a new Regional Home Guarantee to support eligible home buyers including this is huge non first home buyers and permanent residents to purchase or construct a new home in regional areas subject to the passage of enabling legislation so this will be the first time where those who have already bought a home and would miss out otherwise on any first home incentives because it's not their first home that they're going to look to buy they can now re-enter this scheme so long as they're prepared to go regional And as the years go by, hey, a lot of regional hubs are starting to become pretty darn urban. I mean, look at Geelong, look at Bendigo, even up here in Mildura. We're looking pretty urban and uh, metro, if you ask me. So it's pretty exciting to head out to regional. And, of course, during the pandemic, regional hubs and centres were very much sought after. So the government's looking to try and keep the momentum going with the move into regional areas by allowing non-first-home buyers to be able to try and snap up one of those guarantees from the 1st of October 2022 until the 30th of June 2025. And finally, the little icing on the cake or the cherry on top
1: this fuel excise will be cut in half. For the next six months, Australians will save 22 cents a litre every time they fill up. A family with two cars who fill up once a week could save $30 a week, or around $700 over the next six months. Whether you're dropping the kids at school, driving to and from work, visiting family and friends, it will cost less. This cut in fuel excise, which takes effect from midnight tonight, will flow through to the Bowser over the next two weeks. The competition watchdog will monitor retailers to make sure that these savings are passed on in full. This temporary reduction in fuel excise will not come at the cost to road funding, which will see more than $12 billion spent in the coming year.
0: Well, I'm going to let you decide on that one, whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a matter of wait and see as to whether or not the cut to the fuel excise will have a material effect on the price of fuel at the Bowser. Now, Josh Frydenberg mentioned it was not going to come at the cost of road funding. Well, I hope it doesn't mean that it will come at the cost of the fuel tax credits. Now, I know how many small businesses love claiming their fuel tax credits in their BAS returns. At the time of this recording, I'm on the ATO website, and I don't see any fuel tax credit rates published after Budget Night on the 29th of March 2022. That is concerning, but fingers crossed, it won't mean that there will be a reduction in the fuel tax credits. I'll be praying, it's a long shot, but I'll be praying that it'll actually mean an increase in the fuel tax credits. I mean, the Coalition Government's all about lowering taxes for Australians. Why not increase the fuel tax credit to help further that claim? Anyway, that's it for the budget recap on Shooting for the Stars, brought to you by Southern Cross Business Advisors and Louis Bulzomi. As always, our clients have life goals, and we're here to help them identify and achieve them. Goodbye.